the Rebuilt, Reloading, Talent Compiling Buckeyes. This is College Game Day Podcast for Wednesday, January 24th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. Ohio State has a boatload of high-profile portal additions, uh, most notably Caleb Downs from Alabama, but also Quinchon Judkins from Ole Miss. Um, they, they, they got really um, the five-star quarterback that was at Alabama, Julian Sayan. That was... <laughs> that was almost appeared to me to be calculated. I'm sure that Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb would have been happy to have Julian Sayin stay and compete. But this was one of those deals where I don't blame Sayin one bit because they, they brought in Austin Mack through the portal, who is quarterback of the future at Washington. So then you become you, you get in a situation much like I, I see in, in baseball. Like when my son was being recruited, the one thing I said to him is like, you know, nobody's going to give you anything, but you got to get a you got to get a vibe from the coach, whether he believes in you or not, because if he doesn't believe in you and all that believe in you means is that they're going to give you an equal opportunity with the expectation that you're good enough to be the starter. Right. If they if they are questioning you or they have someone else that they believe in more or someone they in this case that they know better, like Austin Mack, well then Julian Sands in a position where, okay, I can't just be a little better. I've probably got to be a lot better. And I probably also also have to hope the other guy stinks it up. And that's not a good place to be. So I, I didn't I didn't blame him a bit. And I think this was almost like a hedging your bet a little bit for the next few years because now you have a quarterback coming in that knows the system and he has a year in your system already and now he's a, a viable contender to at the very least be the backup if not you know depending on how Jalen Milrow develops you know see if he can hold on to the job in the new system Ohio State meanwhile and I know they've got Air Nolan but you saying goes in more on an equal footing it seems like with Will Howard going there who I left out with uh, portal acquisition yeah. um, will Howard there and now saying can push but he also can can still develop in a very similar situation surrounded by great talent as he would have been at Alabama and maybe in a situation where he doesn't feel that he's behind anybody before he really gets started Does that make sense? Oh, no, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. And if there's one thing that it's almost like a compliment to Kalen DeBoer that he left, because if Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb want Austin Mack, they know exactly what they have in Austin Right, Mack, right? Yeah. Th- those guys have a, a full year of seeing him every day, seeing him in scout team. Like, they have all the film. They have all the receipts. Uh, he's a physically gifted guy with good pedigree. So I don't think this was Julian saying, like, being afraid to compete. Uh-uh. I just think it was Julian saying Nor looking for I. an even playing field. Absolutely. Yeah, like it, no it, question. And that's not yeah. to say Kalen and, and Ryan Grubb are, are going to be unfair. It's sure. just, I mean, yeah. look, I mean, you're biased to what you know. Yeah, like, everybody's trying to win, you, you know? know, and it's yeah. okay. And I think everybody made a decision that was in their own best interest, which is yes. fine. No, you know, perfectly it's, fine. It's, I mean, think about saying comes 3,000 miles away, starts class. I felt basically for him. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. like basically the the end of day first class, there's a four o'clock staff meeting, and the guy you came to play, and he was very open about that in his recruitment. I want to go play for Nick Saban, mm-hmm. and look, like a lot of dudes d- did that, and so um, 
but because you've gone to class, I believe he burns the one-time transfer. So you got to go to you got to go to a place where it's proven at that point, right? Where mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you are going to develop. You know you need to be for a couple of years at least till you graduate. And uh, it'll be really interesting, right? We've seen some interesting quarterback competitions at Ohio State over the years, right? They almost have quartered the market on them. And this is the first time we've had a five-man band um, with Will Howard. Devin Brown, Lincoln Keenholz, obviously, Air Noland, who's a fantastic prospect, by the way. Like, again, mm-hmm. I've, I, my knowledge of him as a player is limited to, to clips on the internet, but certainly mm-hmm. he was the ESPN number 31 uh, player, the number two drop back or a passer, pocket passer, mm-hmm. and and obviously Julian Sands, number three. So you have the rare two five-star caliber guys who are going to, uh, who are going to go at it. And yes, the parlor game of how many Ohio State quarterbacks will be on the roster when they open next year is certainly going to be an active one because it probably won't be five because those mm-hmm. guys are all talented and have and have market value. And I, I know Devin Brown got hurt in that bowl game. I, I've seen enough of him that I think he's pretty talented, Reese. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. um, and he's been banged up and, and such. But for if you, you know, it was a little bit like Alabama last year after spring. Remember they had the flirtation with Van Dyke from Miami. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think it, it will be starting to make the mental lists of like best available type guys after the spring. And um, yeah, I think that like, I think Devin Brown's an NFL quarterback, you yeah. know, in, in the, in the long term. So it'll be interesting to see the market and what kind of market there was not a very robust post spring quarterback market last year. I feel like that's going to be drastically different this year. And some will be taking flyers on guys who didn't win jobs, oh, yeah. haven't played much. Uh, Devin Brown's an example. If he doesn't uh, wind up as the number one guy at Ohio State, and maybe he wants to stay and continue to prove that he will be that eventually because Howard, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Howard only has one year, right? Yeah, I think he has one year at Ohio State. Yes, Will Howard okay. definitely has okay. only one year left. Okay. I believe he started 27 games, Reese. Yeah, well, so. that's – that's um. You know, I, I ran into a friend of Will's dad who kind of set me up with a question on the plane. And I answered, <laughs> honestly, he said uh, he didn't tell me who he was. And he said, uh, what do you think of the Buckeyes getting Will Howard? I said, Look, Will's a really good player. I said, he's yeah. played a lot. I said, I think he's I think he's a good guy. will do a good job for them. Uh, and I should have stopped right there. But what I said was, um, I like Kyle McCord, too. I said, yeah, I, sure. I, I said, I said, I went 11 and one. I know what I said. I don't know that I'm going to sit here and tell you, even though I'm, I'm a fan of Will Howard. I like him. I don't know that I'm going to sit here and tell you that I believe there's this drastic over the top upgrade, you know? Um, so we'll see. Maybe, maybe there is. I hope that there's a drastic upgrade for Will Howard. And I hope Kyle McCord goes and kills it at Syracuse. That'd be great. Sure. You know? So, um, you know, but we'll, we'll see anyway. That's that's the one thing. The philosophy on it, there are people close to the Ohio State program, and I'm not talking about who people are going to think I'm talking about. I'm just not talking about Kirk. He didn't say this. Um, people close to the Ohio State program who said in the offseason, well, Ohio State's not going to do NIL this way. They're going to do it where you, know, you just get a little bit of money and set you up with businesses in town. If you're successful, you're going to make a lot of money. No, no, that's not that's not what they did. And maybe it was what they intended to do at mm-hmm. one point. And it's not a criticism. It's within the rules yeah. and they're going to compete. Godspeed. Good for you. But now all the chips are in the middle of the table. Now, now they've now they've done this thing. I And I'm not one. I don't believe there is real heat, nor should there be 
on Ryan Day. There are discontented factions of fans that every school in America has if you don't win every game and cover every spread and raise the national championship trophy. That said, there might be some real discontent if Ohio State, let's say, doesn't win the Big Ten, goes to the playoff and either loses a home game in the first round or loses in the quarterfinal, and you've spent whatever the total ends up being, and you don't get more out of it than you had. That might, uh, I don't know if that would just cause a reevaluation from Ryan Day about how he would go about his business, if it would, you know, cause such consternation among the Buckeye faithful that it then uh, becomes uncomfortable. Maybe a lot of that would hinge on whether they win that game against Michigan or at least one of the two games, if there are two games, you know, against uh, Michigan next year. But I do feel as if, that, not that Ohio State isn't by definition always all in on winning. They are. But this feels like they've, uh, as I continue the half-baked poker analogies, it, as if they've gone to a higher stakes table and said, hey, we found some more money, and here's some more we'd like to push into the middle to win it all right now. Yeah, and I think it'll be really interesting, the Michigan response to this. Because if there's one mm. thing a championship does, and Michigan has a wealthy fan base, right? Like, they have a vast giant wealthy fan base is to see how they respond to this late spring. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But um, wouldn't it be uh, poetic justice, Reese, if in the first iteration of this playoff, Michigan and Ohio State end up playing each other again? <laughs> what? How? How good? Well, what? If, what if they play three times? I mean that that would be that would be axis shifting. That would be <laughs> that'd be like the Carolina Duke K's last game in the Final Four. You know that yeah, would just be yeah, uh, yeah. that would just be a, a a completely different set of circumstances. But. Um, Ryan Day's won 87.5% of his games. I know, um, I know. I don't know if that's the highest percentage of an active coach, but if it's not, it's, be. it's definitely in the top three, right? Yeah. Like in, with Nick gone, I don't think Nick was there. So I I think any talk about his job is a little bit, you know, is, and again, I'm not saying you said that, but no, I just, I'm not. Like, no, I'm not say, talking yeah. about him getting fired. Yes. I'm just talking yes. about like real discontent. Yeah. The only people discontented with what Ryan yes. Day's done right now are people who... Yeah don't understand that real rivalries mean both teams are good and sometimes you don't win. You know, what yes. I, mean? I mean, sometimes yes. you don't win, you know, against another good team. And that's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that's all that's happened. I, I just wonder yeah. if, if it shifts a little bit, not toward losing his job. What I mean is just like most, I think the vast majority of reasonable Ohio state fans feel the way you and I do. He's a great coach. He's doing a fantastic job has come very close to even more mm -hmm. than he's accomplished, yes. whether it's that, uh, the playoff game a few years ago against Clemson, certainly the playoff game against Georgia. You know, the last drive this year against Michigan, who knows what happens if they, you know, they end up winning sure. that game. Um, so he's been close to a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. 
and just off the charts excellent overall. So, yeah. you know, I think he's I think he is a tremendous, tremendous coach and leader. But if you if you shift, I don't know if shifting the paradigm is the right word for it, but if if you up the ante, go to the mm-hmm. higher stakes table, say, okay, you yeah. know what? We're gonna do what what Texas is doing and what Alabama's doing, what Georgia's doing. We're doing all this. You know, let's go. We're we're gonna be the hybrid of yeah. Georgia, Alabama, and Ole Miss. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're <laughs> going to find we're gonna be the hybrid here and we're gonna build it like Georgia and Alabama have, but we're going to supplement it with the vigor in the portal of Lane Kiffin. And yes. so now that takes you to a different table and yeah. maybe changes the perception of what you should accomplish and what will be viewed as a success and worthy of the investment. Yeah, it's been a remarkable off-the-field shift. If we had had a podcast a year ago and you had said, what is Ohio State's NIL? I would just said they're upper middle class. They haven't, you know, they haven't been overly aggressive. It wasn't non-existent, but it wasn't Texas A&M, Ole Miss, one of these real push-forward operations. It was just kind of, as much they, they did what they had to do. It was a, almost felt a little reluctant, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And Gene Smith, the departing athletic director, is a wonderful AD. I don't think he was out beating the bushes for NIL. I think he was like, letting those things take care of themselves and worrying about 36 sports. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the hiring of Ross Bjork um, as the athletic director was like a pure capitalism play, right? Like for all of the things that, have gone wrong at AM and and Ole Miss under Bjork, the one thing that went right was he raised money and there was energy pushed to NIL in an aggressive early way. And so that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a hand tip um, administratively before the, uh, before the flurry, it might have been amid the flurry, um, depending on depending on when, what day he was hired and announced and everything like that. But it, it's it's been a fascinating shift because as much attention as Downs got and Judkins got and Sayan got, I, I think it's more important, Reese, that they kept Travion Henderson, Emeka Egbuka, Donovan Jackson, the guard, who's like a second round pick type talent. And quite frankly, if there's a on field concern for Ohio State next season that's not addressed, it's their offensive line. Mm-hmm. Their offensive line was abysmal against Missouri, and it got overwhelmed at times against Michigan, and that has been an area of weakness in the program in recent seasons. So, you know, some people snickered at Seth McLaughlin going from Bama to there because he had all those snap issues in the Rose Bowl, but they need they, they need upgrades there um, in that in that spot. And then on defense, obviously Denzel Burke, Tyleek Williams, and then the two ends, Tui Molowal. How'd I do? Yep, very good. Tui Molo. Okay, JTT, Tui Molo. And then Jack Sawyer, a little easier mm-hmm. to roll off the tongue. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a, uh, there's just, there's a, a nucleus of guys that when I did a, the, the breakdown of Ohio State, Michigan and talked to scouts um, in November, they thought Burke was going pro, Henderson mm-hmm. was going pro, Jackson was a viable guy. He didn't have a great year last year, especially early, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who could have been picked in the top 100. Uh, you know, Igbuka was expected to go pro. JTT was like foregone conclusion that it was going pro. So the the ability to retain has been as important for Ohio State in this offseason as as the ability to attract, you know, some of the the, the glistening portal gems. Let's uh let's hit a couple of things 
mm-hmm. quickly and uh, bounce. This feels like a late November podcast. It's yeah, been no, pretty it, much it, Ohio State, Michigan. I, I know, exactly. It's been fun. I want to I hit on one thing, though, as it pertains to Ohio State. Maybe there's another, maybe Texas is an option too. Preseason number one next year. You're going Ohio State with all the new additions or Georgia? I would say Georgia for now. Me too. I, I th- I, I'm going to give Georgia the edge for now. Yeah, me too. A uh, lot, lot of roster movement left here, but mm-hmm. um, I would say Bulldogs then, and I haven't looked at it super holistically, but Bulldogs Buckeyes feels, you know, feels Texas, right. Is there too many, too many losses on the defensive front for it to give Texas that to start? They might prove, they might prove worthy, you know, as the yeah. season goes along. Yeah, no, I, I do think there's some concern there at tackle. I think they added a tackle from Houston in the portal, but mm-hmm. um, they don't have two first round picks there in, in Sweat and Murphy. So, um, but I do think Sark has earned some benefit of the doubt with development and oh, such yeah. too now, too, you know, um, and they've had some great portal ads as well. So, um, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that they're certainly in that conversation. Who is the next SEC team, Maurice? Uh, I think probably because of the change, I'm I would probably lean Ole Miss. Yeah, um, yeah probably probably yeah. Ole Miss Missouri is going to be good, and uh, yes, I think I do think that reports of Alabama's impending demise are greatly exaggerated. Um, yeah, but but it's, you know, there's there are going to be bumps there, and even if they had retained everybody. There mm-hmm. were going to be bumps. I think Kalen DeBoer is a terrific coach, and is not. I'm not even talking about fit now. I'm talking about a language that has been handed down for 17 years. Like Greg McElroy talked about how the reason the new coordinators had to come in and adapt to the terminology and nomenclature that Nick Saban preferred was because he wanted to know what was going on. And he also believed in it. Tommy Reese even uh, mentioned that if you wanted to change anything about a play call, that unlike anywhere he had ever been before, that had to go explain it to the boss, you know, and tell him why you were doing that. Now, he said, now Tommy pointed out, he'll let you do it. You just mm-hmm. need to go in and have a good reason for it. So there's a, a fundamental language that while I know the players turn over, it's been handed down for sure. years and years. And, and now all of that changes. All of that's changing. Yeah. And yeah. while the coaches may be able to talk to each other, uh, for the most part, the Washington guys, especially the coming in, meaning DeBoer, Grubb, you know, and then on the defensive side, Womack has people that he knows on the defensive mm-hmm. side. You got to get it to the players. And yeah. that will probably mean that there are going to be some unexpected bumps. That said, they're still going to be good. You know, mm-hmm. they're still going to be really good. And they'll probably be way better in November than they are in September. Uh, yes. So, you know, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're so ravaged by the portal defections. Now, look, is it good to lose Caleb Downs? No. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it good to lose Isaiah Bond? No, it is not good. But they have, they have a lot of talented people. They've recruited well for years and years, and there are guys who might, might have been lost in the shuffle a little bit who are talented enough now to get a fresh set of Downs and maybe no pun intended with Caleb going mm-hmm. to Ohio State, but to get a, a fresh set of downs and perhaps shine. And I think there will be enough of that for them to still be good, but probably not enough for them to be, in my judgment anyway, preseason ranked ahead of, uh, you know, I guess the second SEC team probably 
uh, or the next SEC team after Georgia and Texas, uh, probably Ole Miss, and then maybe Alabama, Alabama, mm-hmm. Missouri, somebody. Yeah, let me uh, be undisciplined here, as is, as we are want to be, and try to tie this top five conversation we're having to our earlier conversation. How much do you think the playoff race changes the prism of how we judge coaches? Because James Franklin, for example, has finished in the top 12 a lot mm-hmm. at Penn State, and he has not reached the four-team CFP. He did win one Big Ten, I think, mm-hmm. in 16. 16, um, right. So, but just, like, I just feel like if James Franklin is a consistent playoff coach, we think of him a lot different than James Franklin coming up just short a lot. Do you feel like there is becomes a paradigm shift in how coaches are judged because they are going to make it to the playoff? It's going to depend on where you are and it's still going for for James Franklin if he makes the playoff year after year as the 10 seed but mm-hmm. they but they can't win the road game they can't beat Ohio State Michigan maybe Oregon SC you know if they can't win those types of games more consistently than they have then I think it's going to it will perhaps add to the frustration if uh if Steve Sarkeesian doesn't win a national championship at some point, if Kalen DeBoer doesn't, you know, win the SEC and get a bye and ultimately, you know, win a championship, there there will be dis, there will be dissatisfaction there for them. And I think for Franklin, not much changes. Now take a guy like uh, let's say Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If they consistently are in the mix to make the playoff, then I think that dissatisfaction of you know that might come now of like oh we're always in the you know the second tier Florida bowls or something like that that makes coaches get fired ultimately or mm-hmm. leave at a lot of places historically. Now, if you're in the mix and you make the playoff from time to time for Missouri, then that that's going to give you a lot of long term stability. So they put those so, big bi- a statue on those big bifocals. Yeah, they might. <laughs> yeah. So it's a. I think it's still maybe maybe it changes over the course of time, but I still think it depends on your blue blood program. Your mm-hmm. program yeah. expectations are not going to change that much, and I think Penn State is probably a high enough level program where they are still going to feel as if they should win some of those games from time to time and probably win more than they have up to this point. How about like a Friday night Penn State playoff game? In Happy Valley? Hosting, in Happy no, Valley. Hosting, yeah, hosting, you know, Texas. I don't, I don't even care. But oh. oh yeah, that would be super good. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah, fill in the fill in the fill brand in the name. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, oh. doesn't even just matter. the whiteout and some snow. Like that is an experience. That is a bucket list. That is uh, whew, a man. It take you three fr- days to get home from that one. A, a friend pointed out to me as I was sitting in Louisville uh, Monday night, preparing to call the Louisville Duke basketball game, which I did last night. He said, you know, a year from now, basically same Monday, is the national championship game in yes. college football. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. 
I haven't, a told Kate, I haven't told Kate Thamel that yet. You haven't broken down, haven't broken down the expanded playoff uh, calendar for Kate yet. <laughs> we're gonna let that, we're gonna let that roll. We're well, come on, roll you just went on vacation to an exotic beach locale. You mean, you mean to tell me you were sitting there with an umbrella in your drink and uh, and admiring uh, all of uh, the good Lord's beauty that you didn't say, hey, by the way, Kate, uh, you know, December is shot. With the home playoff <laughs> games, and then we're going to stretch this thing all the way to the end of January, pretty much at least the third week. You, that wasn't yeah. the beach conversation. I was worried about the San Jose State job and the Buffalo job. So, well, <laughs> that, those are getting me in enough trouble. I didn't need a I didn't need a game three hundred sixty eight days away getting me in, me in more trouble. <laughs> well, you know those those types of types of things will happen. So. We'll continue on with the College Game Day podcast throughout the offseason once a week. Uh, we've had a, a good suggestion that we'll do the news at the top and try to take on topics in the latter half, which is sort of what we did today. <laughs> kind of, ba- yeah. Basically, you and I haven't talked in a few days, so we talked. Yeah, that was yes. <laughs> kind of what we do. Hopefully, that's why you like this podcast. We hope you do. We enjoy doing it. You can download it wherever you prefer to get your podcast or subscribe so you never miss an episode. 